we don't want to spend two or three hours a week hitting and then we fail to develop everything else. Welcome to the Elbow Up Youth Baseball Podcast. First-hand and real-time experience. Stories, advice, and lessons learned. Some the hard way by me, a former player, lifelong fan, and now dad and coach. This is episode number nine. Start planning for the offseason and listener Q&A. Welcome back to another episode of the Elbow Up Youth Baseball Podcast. Today, I'm going to talk about getting ready for the offseason and then also answer a few questions from listeners and readers. So let's jump right in. As most of you know, I coach a 9U team out of Chattanooga, Tennessee, and we went to Atlanta, North Atlanta yesterday um, and finished out our fall season. And I, I'm just going to say, and um, I think a lot of people uh, listening to this are probably thinking the same thing, but I'm actually glad the season's over and looking forward to the off season. Now, it doesn't mean I don't like being out there. I have a blast. I have a passion for spending time with my own son, but also helping others. But listen, guys, it is totally okay to want some time off. We need to play other sports and we need to work around the house. So I just wanted to say that because I think a lot of you are feeling it and maybe you are afraid to say it and now you don't have to be because you're not the only one. So today we're going to talk about getting ready for the offseason. So we're going to take some time off, but then what do we do in the offseason? How does that look? Also, I want to talk a little bit about a few things that uh, – uh, have come through in, in terms of questions, whether it be through Facebook or responses to the email newsletter. So I want to go through that. If you're a new listener to the to the podcast, please go to getelbowup.com, type in your email address, and just hit submit. I will send you each week an email when I have a new article or a new episode that's ready to listen to. But I get a lot of questions through our Facebook page, or when I post these episodes, so you can go to facebook.com slash elbow up. And the best way really might just be for you to hit respond to the email and send me your feedback and your question. Even if I don't cover it on a future episode, I will always respond and answer your question. So the first thing I want to cover in this episode is, is how to plan for the off season. I don't want this to be over-engineered, but I think so many people go into the offseason thinking they have to get a hitting instructor and a pitching instructor and they've got to pay for two or three lessons a week and they don't even really have a plan. So there's an old saying that if you fail to plan, you plan to fail. And I I truly believe that in most all of of, of, uh, the different aspects in life. So here's what I would encourage you to do. And as a matter of fact, next week, I'm really going to go through an off-season plan for youth baseball players and coaches and parents. And between now and then, I want you to take inventory of either your team if you're a coach or your son if you are a parent. And I want you to think back through the season. What does your child need to get better at? So there's going to be some things that, that stood out in maybe their personal performance But you've also seen all the other kids on the team. You've seen all the other kids on the teams that you've played. What do you need to work on? It may actually not be hitting. It may be situational type pieces of the game. It may be that, you know, your son was a catcher last season, but he really didn't know what he was doing. He just kind of squatted down and, and caught the ball. It may be that, 
you know, he pitched and he throws pretty well, but he doesn't quite feel comfortable on the mound with runners on base. And so we got to work on those type of things. Maybe he plays outfield all the time. And so you want him to be a better infielder. And so he is nervous and he just needs to get more reps and get more comfortable fielding ground balls and being aware of situations and what to do. There's a lot of things to work on. Don't just put everything in a box of hitting and pitching. Those things are certainly important, and I'm not going to say you shouldn't hit, and I'm not going to say you shouldn't pitch. Matter of fact, you probably should. But we can't just spend a few hours a week hitting and then expect to be a better baseball player in the spring. We need to really look at the small pieces of the game that add up. You know, I've talked a lot about the, the little things add up to the big things, and we should be developing baseball players, not hitters or pitchers. So if you're a coach and, and you look at the, the, the whole of your team, what do you need to work on? If you're a parent and you don't know, then you need to talk to your coach. And it doesn't need to be, oh, I don't like my son's playing time. How do I get more of it? It's really, hey, I want my son to get better and we've got a couple of months off. What do you think would make him a better baseball player? What could he do that's going to help the team and get him more opportunities to play next season? So parents, you, you need to have that conversation with the coach. I would even challenge those of you that know a little bit about baseball to have that conversation. Get it from somebody else's perspective, what your son needs to work on. Now, coaches, I'm actually going to do this. I'm going to get with our coaching staff, and we're going to do this for our team. You need to spend some time and go through your roster and pick out a couple of things per player, right? So we're not just pointing out bad things necessarily. That's not, that's not what we're trying to do. But, you know, somebody might need to work on some mechanics around hitting. Somebody might say, you know what, this kid can crush the ball, but I, I kind of got to hide him in, on defense because I don't have anywhere to put him. He needs to get more comfortable receiving the ball. He needs to get more comfortable fielding the baseball. Um, jot down. Maybe it's, maybe it's awareness. Maybe it's, you know, little bitty things. I don't know. It could be a lot of different things. But think back on the season and come up with a list of everybody on your team and then you need to deliver that individually to the parents. My recommendation is to either have like an all-in team meeting or send a, a group text, however you communicate, and, and literally explain what you're doing and why, and that you'll be reaching out over the next week or two with each family to discuss that player. And again, guys, we're not, this isn't a scouting report, but it's a, hey, let's talk about a couple of things that over the next few months that I think your son should work on that would help him and the team. And that's it. So parents and coaches, you've got two challenges there. Also, next week's episode is going to be 100% focused on off-season, whether it's a throwing program, how we hit, coaches, how we have team practice. So between now and then, try to do this exercise, come up with what you need to work on, and come back next week prepared to listen, learn, and then go and execute the plan. All right. I did this a few weeks ago and it was pretty popular. So I've gotten a few questions over the last few weeks. Actually, I've gotten a lot, but I've picked a couple that I see that come up quite a bit, whether it be in emails and messages to me, or I just see in various groups on Facebook that I'm, that I'm involved in. But this specific one says, this is a parent and they say, what's the difference between a double A team, a triple A team and a majors team? So that's a good question, and I think there's two ways to answer it. What should be the difference, and then what really is the difference? So in theory, 
the different classifications, it's very similar to professional ball or college where you have in pro ball, you have like single A, double A, triple A, the majors in college, you've got, you know, division one and, and then division two, and then you've got division three and you've got various levels. And a lot of that comes down to just how good they are, right? Just, just be simple. But in youth baseball, it's very subjective. So in high school and college, there's a lot of factors that go into it. And you either are in a specific classification or you're not. In youth baseball, though, in most cases, the coach selects which classification. Now, they can be changed. So, for example, if you take U-Triple-S-A and a coach wants to, let's just say they want to play down. You know, they don't want to play majors all the time. So... They classify themselves as a double A team or a triple A team. If they run through, you know, two or three tournaments and they're just killing everybody, then the tournament director or the area director, whatever it's called for whichever uh, uh, organization, has the right to say, hey, you're not a double A team. You should be a majors team. Now, here's the thing I believe in life, most people are trying to do the right thing. But I also know <laughs> about youth baseball. So everybody wants to win. So coaches, I would say most coaches want to be challenged, but they also don't want to be getting beat all the time. They want to have a chance to compete for a trophy or a ring or a championship. Um, but what we have to be careful of is looking at different geographies. So I'll give you a perfect example. I'm in Chattanooga, Tennessee. There's just not a ton of teams, right? So our team is, is pretty good. I would say top couple teams in the you know metro area at, at least currently so relative to all the teams in this area we're and even i would say east tennessee including knoxville we're a majors team so if that's all we played we would be a majors team when we travel south to atlanta or if we go maybe to, to south florida or you know really any metro area where there's tons of kids we're probably more of a triple a team so just because, you know, around here, people could say, oh, they should be a majors team. Well, we travel quite a bit to these other areas where we aren't the best team. And, and when we compare ourselves to those teams, we're definitely in the AAA. So you got to be careful. There's going to be teams in, like, for example, use the same analogy, in Atlanta that are AAA teams there. If they come up here, they're absolutely a, a, way better than everybody else. But that doesn't mean that they're not a AAA team. It's just where they're from and how they have rated themselves against the peers that they play most often. Last thing on this, don't get so caught up in which classification you are. At the end of the day, you really never want to be at the very bottom or the very top of your classification. You want to be challenged. You don't want to win 15 to nothing every single week on every single game. You're not getting any better. You also don't want to get beat 15 to nothing every single week, every single game. It's very difficult to maintain a positive attitude on the team, right? So you really want to position yourself, and it's on the honor system most of the time, but to position yourself where you're somewhere in the middle of the pack, middle to top half is where you want to be. So good question, and don't necessarily worry over this, but that's kind of how that works. And as you go through these tournaments, you'll see who is underrated or overrated, and, but you know, based on the rankings and where they put themselves. And usually that works itself out. 
Okay, here's another question that is often asked by the younger parents. So either the first time going into, you know, quote, select or travel ball, or the first time going into kid pitch and, and doing the whole, you know, travel select ball. But the question is, how much money does my team need to operate? So I want to break that down into a couple of different sections. The answer is, as usual, it depends. So it depends on how long you're going to play. It depends on your age. It depends on the level of competition. It depends on the, the amount of money you want to spend on how you look. So let's break that down into several categories. I, I would say, first off, though, anybody under 12, 13, 14, really anybody under 15 or 16 should not go into major debt and spend a ton of money on on this. And, and I know that everybody's laughing when I say that because I think we all spend a ton of money relative to our <laughs> to everything else. But it, it's it's not something that you have to go broke doing. There are ways to do it, and you just have to be smart. There's also ways to close the gap and, and allow sponsorship money to pay for some of those expenses. So the first thing that you're going to have to pay for is uniforms and equipment. So at a, at a bare minimum, you've got to have a uniform. And then also the coach needs to be able to purchase some basic equipment, right? Baseballs, a lot of tournaments you have to supply baseball, game balls. they got to have practice balls. And what I would say about the uniforms, I feel like in coach pitch, a lot of teams have multiple uniforms. So typically, especially in like all-stars, you play – a Thursday night, Friday night, Saturday night, Sunday night, and not even going to Monday, Tuesday. So it, it sometimes it can be a convenience thing to have, you know, two, three, four uniforms. Um, when you start getting into travel ball, though, you really only play Saturday, Sunday tournaments. And it's actually hot most of the season. So I think the initial instinct for a lot of newer and younger coaches and parents is to really, really try to look good. And, and look, we all want to look good, and you can. There's a lot of options, though, out there that are affordable my opinion anybody 12 and under really even 13 14 but you only need a, a couple of dry fit shirts now you can get the sublimated shirts that are more you know they're they they look cooler maybe but you need two shirts and one pair of pants minimum right now you can just have one shirt but i'm just saying i think a lot of people try to get two three four if you have two dry fit shirts and one or two pair of pants, that's totally fine. And you know, those you can get some some inexpensive options, you can get some really expensive options, but that's the first thing you gotta do is, is uniforms. A lot of teams will provide belt, socks, uh, of course hats, you gotta have a hat. Um, some teams though will say, Hey, here's your here's the jersey and here's your hat. You go buy a pair of white pants, you go buy a pair of gray pants, you go buy a green belt, a red belt, whatever, and socks, and go from there. And that and that's fine. You can do either way. So that's the first thing. The second thing you got to pay for is tournament fees. So this is geared towards anybody not playing recreational ball, right? So you got to have tournament fees. And and listen, that is a direct reflection of the age that you're in. So coach pitch is typically super cheap compared to the older ages for two reasons. One, the umpires are less expensive. And two, though, they bring in more gate money. So a lot of times a coach pitch tournament will be like 50 bucks. And in areas where there's a lot of tournaments, actually, they'll say, hey, no fee for coach pitch because they're going to get two and a half, three people per kid coming and paying at the gate. As you get into 
player pitch, though. The games are longer. The, they got to pay the umpires more. They bring less people in the gate. And so it's not uncommon to see a $200, $300 entry fee for a 9- and 10-year-old team. And you start pushing four, five, six hundred dollars $600 the older you get. Now, there are tournaments like we played in the, at the, you know, the Ripken experience in, in Pigeon Forge this year. I think that's six dollars $700. Um, and you can definitely find tournaments like that. But you don't have to. So you need to do some, some planning on the front end. How many tournaments do I want to play in? Where am I going to play in them at? And then also, what is kind of the average going rate? And you, depending on where you are and the age group, will will determine that. Okay, and then the third piece of it is a facility. And I don't even mean an indoor facility, but if you're not affiliated with a recreational uh, park um, or an organization, and if you are affiliated with an organization, you're going to pay for that too. It's going to be in terms of team fee or something, but you've got to have a place to practice. So like our team, for example, is not affiliated with any organization. And so we actually have to rent a field to practice on during the summer, the fall, spring. We also in the wintertime have to, to rent an indoor facility if we choose to have an indoor practice. So uniform and equipment, you got to have tournament fees, and then you've got to have facility rental for those of you that are not affiliated with an organization. Now that we've covered all that, what is the dollar amount? And it's really hard for me to say. And so I'm not going to say, hey, you should only spend this amount. But I think for eight and under, so coach pitch, especially if you're if you're not doing record all-stars and you're doing the whole travel select ball, you know, you can get away with charging a couple hundred bucks a kid um, and and be fine as long as you raise a little extra money. There's a couple of ways to do it. I don't want to, I could probably devote a whole episode to this and maybe I will one day. But the way our team has always done it is we've tried to keep the team fees as low as possible. And then we ask for donations. And so typically, um, uh, you know, between the 11 players we have and the coaches and parents on the team, we have some local businesses, grandparents, et cetera, that will donate, you know, several thousand dollars cumulative over the course of the season to help us offset costs. Now, I know everybody can't do that. So you've kind of got to know going in, what does that look like? Do we have the ability uh, to raise money? And you really need a budget. And I suggest that you keep a budget based on the, the three things that I said before. The other thing that I didn't mention, and I really don't think that it's necessary at the, at the super young ages, but at some point, some teams will start to have like a paid coach. So who's not a dad, right? Seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven—not really necessary. I know there's some that do it, um, and I don't even think at twelve maybe, but at thirteen is when you see a lot of that happening. And so, of course, then your team fees go up even more. But at the end of the day, I would try for for nine, ten, eleven year old and under. I would try to keep fees anywhere between, you know, two, three hundred dollars a kid, and then raise money. If you can't raise money or you're limited in that regards, then you're going to have to bump that fee up a little bit. But try to keep it as low as possible, and don't be afraid to go out and ask local businesses and ask your players and your parents to help get sponsorships, because that really can help close the gap. Okay, last question of the day, and I think that I've seen this question pop up more recently because seasons are over, and either teams or parents are trying to make decisions on next year. But the question is, how do I choose a team for my son? So... 
used to, you would play rec ball in the community you lived in, and then the best, you know, 11, 12 players would make the all-star team, and you did that up until you were a teenager. Now everybody seems to be going to the whole select and travel ball thing at like seven and eight, even as early as six in some areas. And it seems to always be there's this mad rush to, to, to get the best players or to, find, to get on the best team. Here's what I'll say. I, I don't know your situation, and I certainly don't know the teams in your area. You have to have a good fit, though, for your family. So for parents, you need to find a team who the coach will have an open conversation with you as you're looking and talk about their goals, talk about why they do what they do, talk about what they're trying to get out of it. How many tournaments are they going to play? How often are they going to practice? What is it going to cost? Do you play everybody equally? Now, I don't, you can't expect the coach to say, hey, little Johnny's going to play such and such position so many innings a game. But you can get the general idea of, do we play everybody evenly? Do we sit two guys on the bench and not bat the whole team? Like, you can ask those questions, and you should. It's just like anything. It's like when you take a job and, and you're being interviewed. I tell people all the time at, at, that work for me when I'm doing you know, development conversations with them, an interview is just as much an opportunity for you to interview the hiring manager in the company as it is for them to interview you. So it's not like all these coaches are just out looking for all these players. As a parent, you should be looking for a good fit for you, your family, and your kid. That, that's the other thing. It's not just your kid, but what about the other families on the team? Is this a, is this a group of people that I can spend a ton of time with and really enjoy it? Right. So that's the first thing. The second piece of it is really taking an honest look at your own son. And is he a good fit? So I tell people you really want to be in the middle of the road. Now, this isn't a hard and fast rule, but it's very difficult on kids to be the best on the team. They're rarely pushed to get better. Um, it's hard for them to continue to, to increase their competition level when they're not being pushed. It's also very difficult if you're kind of at the bottom because you may not have the opportunity to play additional positions. You may, for example, you may not get to pitch much, but you still haven't. And I talked about this a lot on other episodes. You just haven't developed yet, right? So your kid may be nine. Um, and so you still want him to get exposure to playing certain positions because in five years, he's going to be bigger, stronger, and faster than half the kids on that team. And, and he could have played those positions, but he never got any experience because he was the 10th guy on the team. So you really want to look inward. Like this isn't about the, the, the instinct a lot of time is I want to be on the best team and, and I want to win all these tournaments. But you really need to look at the long-term development. What's going to be the best for your kid, right? So, so one, you really need to understand what the, the team and the coach's goals are and how they do things. And then two, you need to do really that honest inward look at yourself and your, and your kid to say, is this a good fit for them based on where they are skill-wise? And then just to tie all that together, remember, we're, we're trying to develop baseball players. We're trying to develop young men. We're trying to teach them life lessons. They have to want to be out there. They have to have fun. They have to want to be on that team. This isn't the mom and the dad trying to do what's best for the mom and the dad. This is the mom and the dad trying to do what's best for the child. So take a look at all those factors and then look at your options 
and then make a decision. Don't be forced into something. I, I see I see things on on Facebook a lot where you know you went to a tryout and a coach is offering you a spot and you have to know right then they have to know right then or they have to know within twenty four hours. If a coach is saying that, you probably don't want to be on their team anyway, especially at these young young ages. You know, you need to have uh, have time to ask these questions. Um, I'm also not a huge fan of tryouts at, at the younger ages, but I, I know that sometimes they can be of use to fill maybe one or two spots. But don't put a lot of pressure on your kid. Go out there and have a tryout. At this age, tryouts don't tell you much anyway. You can see the general athletic ability of a kid, but you're not going to be able to tell what kind of baseball player they are um, when they're 9, 10, 11 years old. It's hard enough to do it when they're 17 and 18. But don't put a lot of stock in tryouts. So hope that helps. And again, if you have any questions, look, I, I, I get way more questions than I could ever talk about. I could probably do an episode every single day with four questions each and still not cover all the questions. But I would love to help. Some of you, have, you're thinking, well, I knew the answer to that. That's easy. But you wouldn't believe how many people send these questions in and I see them talking about it on these groups and stuff online. So if you have questions, please don't hesitate to let me know. Get on um, Facebook. You can send us a message, Elbow Up Youth Baseball. Twitter is Elbow underscore up. And then if you are just now hearing this or you've not subscribed to the newsletter, just go to getelbowup.com. And it's free. All you got to do is type in your email address. I'll send you an email once a week with the new podcast. You can reply to that. You can comment on that. And we can start a conversation. So thanks again for listening. Again, do your homework. Off season, off season, off season. Next week, got some really cool stuff. Or next episode, I've got some really cool stuff coming out. Going to have the release of the off season youth baseball throwing program. We're going to talk about hitting in the off season. We're going to talk about getting instructors in the off season, and I've got some cool interview guests lined up as well. So make sure and tune in, subscribe, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcast, and I'll talk to you next time.